for the conditions to do internal work say that yeah grateful for the condition thank you all for tuning in to another episode of soul affirmations with felicia and kariga with kariga and felicia and most importantly you the listener on the black love podcast network yes hey we got we didn't ask but i want to ask you now why do we come here we come here for reference i felt like that was important because we are creating the conditions folks to go inward mm-hmm. and um, I love that you name that that there's gratitude in being able to create those conditions mm-hmm. so celebrating the fact that we get to do this type of work absolutely it's it's a combination of gratitude for being able to create the conditions and also an awareness for what black life has been for many of us in this country Mm-hmm. And how those conditions don't exist and we're not provided the opportunity for those conditions. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's with that framing that I find the gratitude. Yeah. So I know you have an affirmation that you selected. And it's one that is really on your heart. But I also have the page number. Correct. It is on my heart <laughs> and it can be found on page 16. Mm-hmm. Of Soul Affirmations, a toolkit for reflection and manifesting the light within. Page 16 reads, love as a philosophy is much easier than love as a practice. But when we choose to practice love, it will challenge our philosophy and change the way we respond to what challenges us. Mm -hmm. Today, I choose to practice love. This is, to me, one of the coldest affirmations that you have in this book, bro. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the coldest, though, Rhea, for real, because I don't think that, well, I can't speak for all people. I'll speak for myself. I did not grow up thinking of love as a philosophy or a practice. I may have thought of it as an action, Mm -hmm. right? But that is... I would say synonymous with practice, Mm -hmm. but as a philosophy, right? This idea around how we want to give love, how we think we should receive love, um, right? How we share love. What is love, right? Like all of, all of these things. And in this one affirmation, man, you break this. It is the bar of all bars to me. It is. You know, it's so Ill, righteous. <laughs> what's ill is after writing it, I learned how broad it applied to humanity mm. and the many different stages and relationships that we're in. Mm. But it was first written from the lens as an educator. Mm. Yeah, all the time. You get so many teachers who come in the classroom, come to schools and 
They want to love their students and they want their students to feel this. And the minute that student challenges them, that love is nowhere to be found. <laughs> and it is, it is consequence. It is blame. It is removal. Mm. It is power. Mm. The adult starts to acting their power. Mm. Not their power to love. So in all the ways they can make a young child vulnerable to their adult decision-making and their adult power, they do. Mm. And I've seen the conditions where the students who were most challenging never got that love again. And it became a power struggle for the rest of the year. Ooh. The adult desiring to keep the control and the student looking for ways you don't have control. <laughs> and as a dean, I was always called into those spaces. Mm. So it was uniquely enough first written in my observation mm. with young people who present challenging behaviors in the classroom mm -hmm. and how that love was held hostage from them. So love as a philosophy <laughs> is much easier than love <laughs> as a practice. But when we choose to practice love, mm -hmm. it will challenge our philosophy and change the way we respond to what challenges us. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that was for the teachers. Man. And it ended up being for us. And it ended up being for all. And most recently, it found its way into a wedding ceremony. Yes, it did. And I love that you named where this affirmation came from because of where this affirmation showed up at this wedding ceremony, right? With wow. whom it showed up with. Wow. That is incredibly profound. Kariga had the honor and privilege to officiate a wedding um, for a very close friend of ours who's actually responsible for our transition from the D.C. metro area to Oakland. Yeah. We never would have came here had it not been for him. Not at all. <laughs> and he has recently celebrated a union, a new union. And he asked Kariga to be a part of this day. Yeah. He asked me to be the wedding officiant. Yes. And my <laughs> schedule almost didn't allow. Mm -hmm. And my schedule not allowing also gave me room to what I call deflect mm. so I could blame it on my schedule mm -hmm. and not on any of the thoughts that I was having with myself about how I may or may not be able to do this hmm. for context the first time I was asked to be a wedding officiant was 14 years ago mm -hmm. okay and the very first person to ask me was a dear friend Morgan we met in kindergarten and when she was getting married, she asked me to do it. And I just thought to myself, I'm honored, but y'all are crazy. <laughs> Let me tell you why. So in the past 14 years, I've probably been asked five times. And this last one would make six. And because so many people projected on me that I was a preacher, <laughs> And since I knew that I had not engaged in any of the formal training, yeah. the formal study, mm -hmm. 
um, to model after the pastors and reverends who I admired and who I liked learning from. Mm-hmm. Not just people who shouted at me, but people who could teach and shout. Mm-hmm. And since I knew I hadn't prepared for any of those things, I just said, no, like you close, but nah, it's not me. <laughs> That's okay. nice of you to ask. but <laughs> So that was the logic for me saying no, all those times, all those times ago, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to pretend in anybody's ceremony. Mm-hmm. But I've come to learn so much more about love and its fullness and its properties. From my experience with grief mm-hmm. and from my global travel, I began to learn the power and the medicine we all hold and the, the cultural power of ceremony, mm-hmm. not the state power of ceremony and not the church's ceremony, but the people's ceremony. Mm-hmm. So I began to learn that in my own way through grief through looking at the ways different cultures celebrated and honor their grief globally, the different ceremonies and rituals they use to attend to their grief. Yeah. And I saw this very wide path, all inquiring in the same thing in different ways. And, you know, some would have it in their, let's just say the closest understanding I have is Baptist, right? But even in that space, I would learn about, People being afraid to question God. Right. But when Kamayu was born and Pastor Mike came to the hospital and said God is not intimidated by her questions, her being you, that gave me so much power mm-hmm. to let your grief be your process. My grief to be my process. Mm-hmm. And then for us to have a process together, mm-hmm. a ceremony together, mm-hmm. ritual together. The lighting of Kamayu's candle every night. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The saying of her name. Mm -hmm. So grief began to remove a veil from my eyes. Yeah. That used to be impacted by religious constructs. And I'm no longer bound to those constructs in my pursuit of love in the highest order. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like imagine desiring intimacy with God so much that there is no restriction on your pursuit of intimacy. No one can put you in a box yep. to tell you how to pursue God. And because I've pursued God with my whole heart, mm-hmm. I understood what people were seeing when they were asking me. <laughs> so when Jeff asked me to be the wedding officiant. Mm -hmm. Again, I plan to deflect it due to my schedule. (laughs) But when you pointed out just now, Fee, where the affirmation comes from and where it found itself. He told me in writing and verbally. How much he admired my practice of love. And in all his years, he had never seen anything like it. And he was sure. That if the conditions were right, I could do so much more in the lives of the young people. Mm. He recently shared this. So give you all context. Many of you all know me as an educator. Know Felicia as an educator. This comes by way of whether you know us from D.C. 
whether you know her from research in the academy or whether you know us as practitioners here in Oakland. But this was because I got a call from a friend and a mentor in education, Jeff Duncan Andrade. That's who asked me to come to Oakland. That's who I told no. I told him, <laughs> hey, dog, I'm Jamaican. Mm-mm. I'm in D.C. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to come to a California and ask white people for permission to educate black children. <laughs> Those are my exact words. And he said, cool. Did you read the article? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, well, it's not their school. It's ours. <laughs> but the thing about it was autonomy means a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So we began taking that responsibility and in that response ability or ability to respond is why I began to author soul affirmations because there was no response for the love that we were looking for. And when we were recruiting new teachers, there was a different pedagogical approach and practical um, approach to the new teachers that were being recruited versus the ones who were originally recruited in the opening of the school. Mm. We all had that foundational understanding of yeah. love as a practice. Mm-hmm. So the more we begin to recruit is the more I had to begin to investigate. How do I translate these practices across campus in the homes of the students and in our personal lives? And what later ended up happening, right? Is that, There is no relationship of teaching and learning that you can enter in which you expect to teach and not learn. Mm. So the very people who you aim to teach, you have to allow yourself to be taught by them. Mm. And when dealing with adverse behaviors, my young people are undoubtedly teaching me lessons in love. (laughs) Because they are challenging you to see if you can love them when they present their worst. The very same thing that everybody else in their life threw them away about. Mm. So it's really easy to like them and love them when they are performing to the standard of what you desire. Mm -hmm. It is so much more challenging when you think that the way they're performing is going to impact your ability to do your job. (laughs) And that goes into security and all the other things that adults think about when they show up to work. Right. Mm -hmm. So. I know people have the tendency feed to talk about full circle moments. But I have learned by way of grief that some circles I haven't seen close and be complete. Mm. Instead, what I get is the faith to keep going to see if it will be full circle. Mm-hmm. And in this instance, this is a pretty close to a full circle moment, except that. When it's a multi-generational conversation, the circle's never fully closed. Mm -hmm. So this practice of love must continue. And how well we teach our children will be evidence of how well we know it for ourselves. Mm. It is not just the romantic arriving of a wedding or the date or the ceremony. It's about how we practice love and how we translate those practices and room to make mistakes and practice for our children. So here we are. This is why Fee is so dope to me. When preparing for this ceremony, I consulted two people. Okay. I consulted a dear friend, family friend, Kelvin Truitt. Mm -hmm. Right. Pastor Kelvin Truitt. Okay. (laughs) 
I called him on the pastor side. He's also an artist, but I called him on the pastor side. I forget he's a pastor. <laughs> I won't ever forget he's a pastor. That's that's how we got to our first performances in L.A. You're was at right. his church. Yeah. First Friday. That's actually where I met belief in fatherhood. That's pretty dope, too. Okay. All of these little moments. Okay. <laughs> so I called Kelvin and I spoke with Felicia about my practice. And when Felicia was watching me in the wedding rehearsal, after the rehearsal, when we came back to our hotel, she was telling me how well I did, but was also inviting me to make it more of my own. This is why they called me. And she asked me for my lens of synthesis. <laughs> and in synthesizing and in processing, there was a small opening in the program for remarks that could transition us from one part of the ceremony to the other. Mm -hmm. And that particular affirmation <laughs> is the one we chose to put in there. Mm -hmm. Felicia gave me choice, but um, celebrated my choice in that. And I think that's so profound, as you named. Because when Jeff was articulating to me, that the thing that he sees in my practice that he's never seen before is my love and how it endures mm. and how it problem solves. And because and it's, it's not just love, right? Love will also drive you to find new information and new answers to improve your practice. Mm -hmm. So it's not just the idea of love. It's the practice, which means that I might have to go to a training learn new information, <laughs> stay well-studied, seriously, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I can understand how the scope and sequence is changing. But the truest form of education that we imagined for our young people was not just a school. It was, a, it was, a, it was an inward journey of restoration mm. of all the things they said the world said they couldn't be of all the things they thought they couldn't do because of restrictions placed on them, mm -hmm. either by way of academic achievement, uh, ability or disability, mm -hmm. circumstances where they come from. Mm -hmm. But the truest education is one in which they believe in themselves truly and believe in their power to impact change mm -hmm. and then have the desire to be that change in their community instead of being extracted taken out of their community to go get a good education. Mm. We believe that wherever you get that good education, you deposit it back in your soil. Hence roses and concrete. Mm -hmm. So proof that the teachings and practices that we aim to instill in ourselves and our young people when designing roses and concrete was truly the liberation we imagined for ourselves as well. And that's how that affirmation can speak to students, speak to ourselves, speak to our families, speak to our weddings, all the places where we develop the deepest hope and the deepest courage to surrender to love. Mm -hmm. It is consistent and found in all of our practices in which we have to surrender. Wow. Man. I'm I'm letting that marinate for me. And I'm just in awe of your ability to 
have found that in your observations with your students. And I know like in the middle of those observations, as poetic as it sounds, it doesn't come to you like that, right? Like what you said that you observed is like differences when teachers were challenged, right? And we know circumstances created those emotional responses for those students that thereby created the challenges for the teachers, but all are deserving of love, right? Like mm-hmm. all are deserving mm-hmm. of love. And I'm just so, I don't know, Riga, I'm just in awe because like I said, it's a bar, right? It's a bar and, and it is. And, and it's something that can be applied in all of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Even like, I think it's really special that it has now made its way in a wedding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as it should, right? Like, I think these are the type of affirmations that you want to practice in your marriage. Absolutely. The wedding is the day you say, I do. Mm-hmm. Commit to the practice of Committing love. Committing to that practice. The I do. Not just the romance, right? Mm-mm. Not ju- And it's not just until like life as you know it, until death do you part. Life is ever changing and ongoing and requiring you to do so many different things. Oh my gosh. So it is not just till death do you part. It is until you no longer practice the mm. love, right? It would also cause a part. Because it isn't being invested in and all living things grow. Mm-hmm. So we also have to invest in our practice of love. And the, the better we understand love as a practice is the more room there is to practice. Mm-hmm. That is, you don't have to be perfect or present perfect. But if you are willing to investigate. Oh, if you are willing. And if you don't know how to create the conditions to investigate. Mm-hmm. Because that investigation could sound like a question or constant questioning for somebody who doesn't understand why are you constantly questioning, right? But it could also be linked to other times in relationships when people just weren't sure if they were doing it right. Mm -hmm. So we have our past relationships that inform where we are currently. Mm -hmm. And when we look at it like a practice, it gives us so much more room to explore and to master what works for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I do understand. But I will say though. It blows my mind. This is truly. A work of love that is greater than me. But it is in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm not greater than the love. So. When love whispers to me. And I can hear it. And I can translate it. And I find it to be true. In third grade. In sixth and tenth and twelfth, in undergraduate studies and graduate studies, in teachers, in principals, mm-hmm. in families, I'm really just naming all different um, increments or positionality of people. Mm-hmm. It's for people. It's for people, right? And I I love how you, again, like it's as a practice, right? To me that. That names that one, you are the master of it, right? But there's this acknowledgement of where you are presently, who you are presently, 
in love. Can you can you can you tell me more about a practice? But you are the master of it. Help me understand that part about master of it. Not master, but I mean like like your level is that current mastery, and it can continue to grow, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can continue to evolve in your practice. What I'm saying is, I think you give yourself more agency um, when you are acknowledging like where you are presently in your love and your willingness to keep going and evolving and learning. That's what I gathered yeah, from you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I got it. I was just trying to figure out like who's the master. Cause you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I don't mean like someone is like a master at love. I mean, I guess someone is a master. Like you are the level by which you are able to engage with love at this present time is your mastery level of love, but it can continue to grow and evolve as long as you are willing. Truly. I I agree. Yeah. I would, (laughs) I would dare to submit that what I'm learning to master is Mm self-awareness and love just whispers. I think, I think love talks to all of us. Some of us can't hear it because we haven't entered that level of self-awareness. Right. But love is the most, amazing force that I've come to know on this earth. And it's literally waiting for all of us to surrender, Mm -hmm. to be taken into realms that we have not known or seen. Mm -hmm. And grief taught me that, Mm -hmm. right? That love can take me into different realms. So I'm still exploring them. But while the wedding was beautiful and picturesque in Calistoga, California, if you haven't visited, I recommend when you come to California, head to Calistoga. You know, after your Napa wine tour, however you do California, right? But <laughs> there's a there's a side of this story that is so beautiful and so gentle and so revealing. And then there's another side and they were all happening at the same time. And I love how the episode began with this account of this wonderful wedding and love as a practice because Kamali was challenging every <sighs> every everything that I just said about love as a practice and a philosophy <laughs> Kamali job has come to test that to see if she any of that is, shit is true. Oh, she's coming to refine that affirmation. Big she time. is bringing in all of the outside variables that may not have been considered. And she is testing it oh, yeah. against them. Like she's like, okay, is this affirmation going to work against this? Uh, and, yeah. and we work. <laughs> if there was a line, she'd be a habitual line step. <laughs> so I want to name it as Jeff's idea to include kids. Now I know Jeff and Vanessa <laughs> issued the invitation to us, <laughs> but upon further review, I just kind of feel like it was Jeff's bright idea to make sure that all the families were present. And to which I will say there is a wisdom there. Mm. There is a wisdom there because when we begin to experience weddings without our children, we are leaving them to have to figure out a lot of the things mm. that they will need to know. We just want to leave it for later. Okay. Wow. But we also don't know how early, not just like your scientific memory, but your cellular memory, what you feel in your body, what you observe in people. Mm-hmm. That is why when your child or two-year-old or something sees you crying or sees another person crying, they can feel that. Yeah. So they have other intuitive wisdom that can speak to their ability to like, glean from that setting Mm. so i'll give him props on that medicine but (laughs) but bruh you could put an age limit on it 
So <laughs> two two don't need to be there. I don't think two needs to be there. Two them toddlers don't have the that whatever is needed within them to sit still that says, you know what? I just need to sit still for a little bit and eat my food. They don't have that. Hell no. They don't got that. They, they see nothing they, but space right and now, opportunity. I was about to say, they, they literally see space and this is opportunity. Guess what? Everybody else is sitting down, which means that I can get busy. Okay. So Felicia has determined that Kamali, unfortunately, no matter how much you desire, anybody who invites us, uh, she won't be attending any more Mm-mm. ceremonies till no, about that five. Was it. Yeah, because I'm trying to enjoy myself and it's just more work uh, mm-hmm. when she comes. So I really appreciate you all thinking of Kamali and including her because she is a part of our family dynamic. Now, I'll, I'll be holding it down for her on behalf of her um, at the wedding. This executive decision you just made? I just made it. Okay. I actually made it a few days ago, but... <laughs> Um, put it in writing. I'll review it with Kamali. See if she agrees. She doesn't require a review. She can't okay. read. So she can read a room. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, so imagine all of these amazing things happening in ceremony while managing the behaviors of a fully capable two-year-old. I mean, the best way I describe Kamali, she can literally do anything yeah. she puts her mind to. I mean, she's aware that there is a dessert bar. You think she didn't see that ice cream and those cookies and cake? Give me that. Right. No, I'm running up because I'm tall enough to reach now. No. See, <laughs> these are the problems that I don't want to manage. I want to enjoy dessert without having to manage a two-year-old. Well, who manages the adult that goes to the open bar too much? Right? Because they, <laughs> they're at every wedding. But what I'm saying is, the same way adults see the open bar as an invitation for a good time. Kids see the dessert bar as an invitation for a good time. Oh, man. So we're all just trying to figure it out. But wherever we are on the spectrum, wedding, courting, family, partnership, the goal is that we may all love more abundantly mm. and that the conditions are created for us to investigate and take inventory of what's occupying love's territory. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm so grateful for Soul Affirmations. Yeah, It's a space reserved for us to investigate love as a practice, grief as an experience of love. And all it's come to teach us. Mm-hmm. So from our family to yours, may we all love more abundantly. Mm-hmm. Massive love. Thank you, Rigo. Thank you to our executive producers, Cody and Tommy Oliver, our producer, Crystal Hill. Peace. Peace.